Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotzler. In today's episode, we are in the fourth inning of Game 3, and we sit down with head baseball coach at Bayport High School, Harvey Knudsen. Now, Harvey's been on staff uh, before he took the reins, after uh, Mike Simmons stepped down after the 2019 season. Uh, Harvey was an assistant coach at Bayport for 17 seasons and was a part of so much success at that high school and then was fortunate enough to slide into the head chair uh, for the 2020 season. So like everybody else across the state of Wisconsin, didn't have a season uh, in 2020. So 2021 was his first official WIA season. And wow, was it an amazing one. Uh, Bayport played in the state, the Division I state final uh, and, and brought home the silver ball. So today we sit down with Harvey and hear his story in baseball his background as a player, as a coach, um, and kind of what it's like taking over for um, a Hall of Fame coach. And obviously he was on staff, but you know when you step into that big chair, a lot more responsibilities and you see things through a different lens. So um, before we get started, just a reminder, reminder to subscribe and share um, these episodes. And this is the last one we record and release before uh, the end of 2021. So looking into 2022, actually, um, Coach Knudsen is uh, speaking at the WBCA clinic in that first slot. Um, There's a head coach panel at 3 o'clock on that Friday um, up in Middleton. So without further ado, head baseball coach at Bayport High School, Harvey Knudsen. Hey, Coach, how are you doing today? Good. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, So for the listeners who don't know you, kind of talk us through your journey in baseball. Um, well, I, I grew up in Southwestern Wisconsin. I went to a small high school there, uh, called Iowa Grant high school. Um, obviously played all the sports there, but, uh, baseball was kind of my favorite and, you know, just played some Legion type things and, uh, home talent and, uh, played college baseball at, uh, university of Wisconsin Platteville. Um, uh, you know, played there from there. I coached a couple of years there as an assistant at Platteville um, and loved it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, had my teaching degree and kind of knew the that level of college baseball wasn't going to pay the bills at what I was doing. And, uh, and I knew there was, you know, I made a lot of connections and a lot of people that, that went to uh, really, you know, moved around with that a little bit and moved up the ladder. And that's truly what they wanted to do. And it's kind of where I thought I wanted to be. Um, but at some point it just came down to, I knew I needed to get a job and get on, get on with living. And, uh, and my goal then became to, you know, get into a good baseball program, uh, get a teaching job first and, and get into a good baseball program. I, I hoped and started coaching high school, uh, here at Bayport 20 years ago. Well, before we get into your coaching career, I want to hear about you as a player. So give us a scouting report. What type of player were you? Um, well, I, I was a decent player, um, you know, pretty good player. I uh, had a lot of opportunities, um, you know, some of those things. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't to where some of my players are at today. Uh, uh, some of these players I see in the opportunities and the training and things like that, you know, that honestly just wasn't around, not where I was from and not back then, uh, you know, back in the early nineties, there, there wasn't a lot of clubs and showcases and anything like that back, at least where I came from. 
Um, and it was kind of, you just played that sport when, when it was in season, you know, football season ended, you basketball started, basketball ended, baseball started. Um, we didn't even have a very strong Legion program where I was from. So I was playing in adult baseball leagues and, um, you know, just, just kind of didn't have a ton of opportunities. I didn't think, and, uh, you know, didn't really explore a lot more and was kind of limited on where I was going and doing. And, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, I'd say I was above average player, you know, good hitter, good fielder, pretty versatile, could hit for power, could hit for average, you know, nothing spectacular. Not like some of the players I'm coaching today. I know that. Well, I love asking that question because I always feel like, you know, who we were as players, a position player, a pitcher, catcher, you know, power hitter, slap hitter, whatever, um, kind of impacts how you coach a bit. And would you say that's true? Like your style kind of goes back to how you played it all? Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, the strategy and, and I guess just maybe how you coach guys and believe in them. You know, I, I was very competitive. Um, like, you know, I'm sure that's a lot to do with a lot of coaches and people are competitive, but, you know, just was willing to do and wanted to do any, absolutely anything to win a baseball game. Um, you know, in a lot of things I did, I just wanted to win. I, I wouldn't say I was a sore loser by any means, but, you know, if I did something, I was all in and, and uh, you know, you know, just always felt like, you know, whether it was diving or sliding or running through a wall or, you know, hustling just a little bit more or just, just wanting it really bad that I just kind of always felt like, you know, that competitive part of me was just really, really wanting to win and, you know, hopefully wanting it more than the other people did. Uh, I didn't like losing. I wasn't a sore loser, but, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. That's kind of the type of player I was. I, I, I kind of look at it sometimes and some players I played against and some that are really good friends of mine now, uh, one even including an assistant coach I have that um, hated playing against. And when you really think about it and look at it, that's the exact way I was. And, you know, Love that. I love that. That's a competitor. Um, so you mentioned you got education. So what do you teach and how do you think your role as a teacher impacts you as a head baseball coach? <clears throat> I teach, I teach uh, FIAD in health at the high school. Um, so, you know, just a teacher in general is like a coach and a coach is like a teacher, um, you know, and then teaching the things I teach and do as being a FIAD teacher. And, you know, a lot of it's, you know, athletics based and uh, sports related and stuff like that, that obviously I think that just kind of comes with, well, and I just think there are a lot the same in, in what I do, um, what I do as a FIED teacher and what I do as a coach that, you know, you're kind of teaching and doing the same stuff. You're always teaching some type of skill and, you know, setting goals and, and trying to get students to accomplish them and, and see the bigger picture and, you know, and, and that's kind of what I see as, as a coach and what I try to do with players and a team. Well, great. I mean, plus, you know, those touch points in school and, and everything else, you know, that's got to just pay huge dividends. You know, I think about oftentimes the guys who aren't in the building and how that affects them, but also gives them a different perspective outside of education. Um, 
you know, earlier as you were going through your playing background, you did mention that, you know, you had some strong coaching influences and build a strong network. Um, <clears> so I kind of give you the sports talk radio question, like give us your Mount Rushmore of maybe three to four coaches who influenced you along the way. Yeah, that's uh, that, that could be a lot uh, when I think about coaches and teachers I've had in the past. Um, you know, just just a lot of a lot of experience I've had with a lot of coaches and teachers that you know I really felt like got me to where I was today and and wanting to be a teacher and wanting to be a coach. Um, you know, but you know, when you're just talking strictly baseball and, and influence in baseball is uh, first and foremost. Uh, at the top of the list is Mike Simons, you know, who was the coach here at Bayport, um, you know, was here 20 years ago and was just kind of starting a big run um, in the state, uh, really getting himself on the map with his program, uh, the, the work he did outside the program and inside the program, you know, the youth program and in the community and really what he built the high school uh, program to be. Um, you know, he's, he's in the hall of fame. Uh, I, I think he, when he retired a few years ago, he retired at 444 wins. And, you know, I, I wish I uh, had my baseball Wisconsin book on me here at home, but um, you know, he was at the top of most of those lists and just kind of a legend in the state and baseball in my mind, um, you know, and, and as good a coach as he was, he's an even better person. You know, when I moved here 20 years ago, you know, just really made a connection. We kind of shared the same goals, you know, to where it wasn't just high school baseball. It was more of a brand and, and, and wanting to, you know, get bigger and better. And, and, you know, everyone wants to go to state and everyone wants to win a state title, obviously. Um, but, you know, that was, uh, I mean, uh, in his mind, a realistic goal every year and was willing to do whatever it took to do that. And it was, you know, a bigger school and a, and a bigger division one program. That's kind of where I was hoping to land. And I was very fortunate to get this job. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, everything I have to do with baseball with, with a lot of other influences on the way, but really had been Mike Simons, you know, when I moved here 20 years ago, um, you know, he was the first person I got to know and started, you know, met him before I got hired and, you know, with interest in the baseball program. And when I did get hired, he got me involved right away in the off season stuff and the uh, off season trainings and our open gyms over the winter and getting ready, you know, and fundraising for Florida and, uh, um, you know, just <clears throat> my, my wife and I, you know, just with, with his family, you know, went out to dinner and include us in things. I knew not, not much about green Bay. Um, wouldn't even know where to go in green Bay and, you know, didn't know anybody. Um, you know, he just really took me under his wing and, and I just really learned so much all aspects of running a baseball program, you know, not just strategy on a field, uh, but the behind the scenes and the youth programs and, connections and just so many opportunities from him. Um, I mean, without a doubt has, has been my mentor and, and the biggest influence in coaching baseball um, over the years. Uh, you know, other coaches, uh, 
another name, uh, Mark Hebert coached with us. Um, he, he's uh, actually an administrator in our building. Um, good friend of mine, uh, you know, he coached with us for about 10 years. He retired the same year Cy retired. Um, he was someone who came along, you know, like I said, maybe 10 years into it um, and just brought a, just brought another, you know, piece, piece to the team that, that maybe we were missing and eating and uh, just the way he was so organized and detailed. He was a former uh, basketball coach and he had, you know, decided he was done coaching basketball and didn't have a ton of experience in coaching baseball at the time, but he, he, you know, he just someone who just researches it and studies the game. And, you know, he became our defensive coach. Um, just someone who always had a plan. Um, you know, just and being being a good friend of mine on top of that, but the stuff I was able to learn from him, you know, um just just the, the hard work and dedication he put into it and the way he was with players and and how he made our program so much better and really, you know, led back in those years to uh, you know, before he joined us, we had been to the state tournament a few times um since I had been here, uh probably three or four times. Um and he kind of put us over the top with, I guess, just his contribution to the team. And, uh, you know, that's really played a huge part in our back-to-back um, titles in 2009-2010. Um, just just having that, you know, before then it was, you know, Mike and I and trying to cover everything and having a, you know, couple assistants back then. And a lot of times it was just a dad that volunteered and, and uh, I don't know, I think we've we've taken a bit of ribbing over the years with as many coaches as we have, whether it's all on the varsity or, you know, I mean, there's times we've had six coaches in the varsity dugout for the whole season. And then on top of that, two or three assistants at the JV level, two or three assistants at the freshman level. So, um, and then when to get to play tournament time and playoff time, you know, they all joined us too. And we'd have like 10 coaches in the dugout. Um, so you know, just, I, I'd say those, those two are top or huge influences on me and just what I was, what I've been able to learn from them. Um, you know, a guy I coached college for at Platteville, his name was Jamie Sailors. He, he had, he was someone who had coached a lot. He had played in the minor leagues, um, just a big time baseball guy. Um, he had so much knowledge and experience and, um, you know, learned a lot from him from coming off, you know, he wasn't the coach when I was a player. He was new after I was done playing and then uh, invited, you know, heard about me, knew about me a little bit. I was still around uh, finishing in the last semester of school. And he kind of reached out to me and wanted to get to know me and asked me to help coach. And I did for two years and just just what I learned from him. And, you know, things I learned from him was, you know, at, the, at that level any, and even this level, you know, there, there's a lot to say to be said as far as loving baseball and just want to be involved. If you're a teacher, you want to be involved in your baseball program. You want to coach something like that. Uh, you want to volunteer coach all those types of things. But, you know, probably the thing I learned from him the most was, you know, that was his living. I mean, that's all he did uh, was coach. And, and it mattered if he was successful and it mattered about the amount of time he put in and, and, and how he was going to be. Otherwise you might be without a job. And, 
you know, just as serious as I took it and always wanting to win and find ways to get better that, you know, I think that was a little bit eye-opening to me to be like, you know, this guy every day is coaching and working towards his, his means of living and his family and, and, and making it more of a job and a career, you know, that's a path he had chosen and, you know, probably not something that, that's just, uh, I mean, you got to win, you got to win at that level. Uh, and maintain it, maintain a program. Otherwise you might be without a job. So that was kind of an influence I had from Jamie um, was from that. So that's great. I mean, those are, like I said, three different experiences, everything from, you know, being a young coach and then, you know, obviously to take you are where you are now and, and just those experiences along the way. Now, if I have this correctly, you were, the, you were an assistant for 17 years at Mike yep. retires, you get the head job. So Mike's had such a big influence on you, how to run a program, the youth, the community, the whole operation. Um, when you got in that head chair, was there any changes that you made um, that were maybe unique to you? Um, I, I'd say a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought about that. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't emphasize enough the relationship that I've had with Mike and even Mark when he was there and how well we worked together and you know, taking this job 20 years ago, I, you know, my goal was obviously to be a head baseball coach. Once I got here first few years, it's like, this is exactly everything I wanted. I want to be in a program like this. I, I want these resources, um, this level of competition, very successful program. And, you know, if, back then I quit caring about anything like that. It was never my goal when I came here to be like, you know, and, and you know, Mike isn't that much older than me. He's probably, I, 13 years older than I am, 13, 14 years older than I am. So he was pretty young back when I started. It wasn't like putting a clicker on when he's going to retire and when I can take it for my own or or use this as a stepping stone and maybe something else comes up. That that never had crossed my mind, um, especially once, once we got doing it and, and what we were able to do together. Like I said, we shared the same goals and and, you know, you know, from coaching and, and the amount you put in your program, you, you almost have to be nuts to, to care about it this much. And that's, you know, and being involved in all aspects of our program from the youth and our community program and all that stuff that people think I'm nuts. And, you know, I kind of just say you kind of sell your soul to it, the program. And, and that's kind of what I felt feel like I did. And uh, um, so working with him for so long, you know, like I said, I was never in a hurry to become the head coach and, and really didn't care if it ever happened at that point because we were so successful and had such a good thing going. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't in a hurry. And, and, you know, after I don't know how many years into it, probably for the last, you know, 10, 10 years or so coaching together, uh, he had made me the associate head coach, which really doesn't mean anything to anyone else other than the roles that I was able to do and the freedom I had within the program to run practices, you know, to make the lineup, to make decisions in the game and, and be a part of it. So, um, you know, I kind of had instituted a little, a lot of bit of me, I guess I should say through the years into it that, that uh, we kind of agreed on and, and, and um, I'm sure there were things we didn't agree on, but, you know, I was able to do a lot of things my own way as it was that, there wasn't a ton to change, 
you know, when I took it over, um, you know, but I get, I guess there, there were obviously some things that did. Um, I'm just trying to think here what, what I was thinking about stuff that I, I put in a little bit, you know, if I think just about, you know, just general practice layout and plans, um, you know, there was, there was things there that, uh, that changed a little bit, just, just the everyday practice, you know, how we met as a team, um, what we focused on in practice, um, you know, you know, I'd say nothing monumental by any means, just some slight practice plan changes and priorities. Um, you know, a little bit about maybe relationships with players, you know, maybe not as so old school when it comes to players. I think that's changed a lot from when I played and uh, even from when I started coaching and I see it in all the other sports too, you know, you know, the, that, I mean, now we're texting players all the time and, you know, communicating through social media with players and um, just being involved more personally with players uh, is probably something I spend a little bit more time on. Um, well, there's, there, there's two things that kind of come to mind. So a lot of guys get into coaching with the goal that, you know, they want to kind of put their time in, be an assistant and take a head job. Right. And it's, it's rare to hear someone that got into it and thought, you know what, this is where I want to be. I'm content here. Um, so what, like, what would your advice be to that, that long time assistant who's just kind of waiting for that, that right job and looking to jump ship? Like, you know, as I bring that up, is there anything that, that, that you would give advice to them um, in that regards? Well, just, uh, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta love it. You gotta absolutely love it. And you gotta do what's best for you. Um, you know, if it was a situation like mine, like I said, I was very content with that, you know, conversations we had with Mike about that. And when, you know, this is his retirement was kind of a long time coming and talking about it. And I had always said, you know, I don't need you to retire for me. I don't need you to get out of my way. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not trying to get anywhere else in anything. And, you know, it was kind of the, well, good, because I enjoy doing it. You know, this is, you make it a lot easier on me. It makes it easier for me to continue to do this you know, as long as he had done it. And, and again, if our relationship with Mark and, and, you know, um, at that point, uh, it just, it was the right fit. And it, you know, I, I, I wish they were still in that dugout today. And I have, we have some amazing assistants and I haven't talked about them yet, but they play a huge role in, into everything we do here. But, you know, just talking about the Mount Rushmore aspect and my influences, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wish that train was still going because it, it was uh, it was just a pleasure to work with them every day and the stuff you learn and how well we work together. And, you know, uh, but, you know, just to, to young coaches, I mean, you, you got to love it. I mean, you got to be able to commit to it. You know, it's just not a March comes along and uh, practice is starting and, you know, you're going to be at practice every day and you're going to play 20 something games and maybe be involved in the summer a little bit that it, it, it's a, it's a year round thing. But I mean, if, if you love it that much and, and you're willing to, you know, sell your soul to it, like I talked about a little bit, um, you got to kind of be able to do it your way too. And you gotta, you gotta do what's best for you and, and go out and find, find the right program wherever it is and, and, and make your mark on it and, and do it the way you do it.
Well, that's where I wanted to go next. Like, I mean, you, you guys have a fantastic program. I mean, it, it has been for decades and decades. And for you to come in and, you know, be at the state tournament and play in the state finals and, and, that, and really in that first year, right? Because 2020 was supposed to be the first season. Um, yeah. So 21 was the first true season, correct? Yeah. So give us like, give us the, the landscape of, of Bayport baseball. I mean, we see the, you know, we see the, 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 the powerhouse varsity team, but kind of backfill it for us. What is the, what does baseball in Bayport look like? So do you mean just as far as the, uh, like the, youth, the high school program, yeah, like, high, like, like varsity all the way down to the youth program. Like how does it, how does a family get started with their, with their son in Bayport baseball? Yeah, well, I guess working backwards a little bit, we, we have a varsity team, obviously. We have a JV1 team and a JV2, you know, traditionally the freshman team, um, which have been, you know, pretty successful and a good good numbers and a good program over the years. Great community. Um, uh, you know, we have summer programs, our Legion program, <clears throat> and then we have our uh, our main feeder program, which is uh, our tournament team program, which now is 7U all the way through 16U, you know, until they get to Legion age. Um, and that, you know, same there with off-season workouts and with those programs, we start those in December and carry them right up till their season starts, um, usually in May with the, with the tournament um, program. We have a fall ball, youth fall ball in a high school fall ball season. Um, uh, which is, you know, around here, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of teams playing in the fall. And, and when we don't have them, you know, our youth is just an in-house fall ball, which is, you know, kindergarten all the way up through, you know, high school, really, um, our incoming eighth graders through seniors have the opportunity to play JV or varsity fall ball in our program. Uh, but but the younger kids, we we run an in-house fall ball program that runs a lot like our community summer program where, um, you know, we just offer through, you know, mid-August till uh, mid-October um, games, you know, practices and games just like they play in our summer program. You know, in a, for our youth program, that's, you know, for example, kindergarten through well, technically sixth grade um, in the summer. And then our seventh and eighth graders play like a Pony and Babe Ruth, you know, against other communities. But our, our in-house is kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, you know, we have about 60 teams in the summer uh, in, in those age levels. Uh, when we move to fall ball, we have about 20. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities from when T-ball starts to coach pitch and machine pitch to kid pitch. Um, you know, that's kind of been a bonus for us that we run the community program and our tournament program and a lot of work, but, um, you know, we're around that, we're able to structure it, um, in ways and, uh, you know, not, not that we, so we can control it by any means, but to oversee it, to make sure there's some good opportunities and the right opportunities and, and right down from equipment and facilities to coaches and, um, you know, just kind of using that as a feeder program as well. So that's what I was going to ask you, like your involvement. And you said one of the things you learned um, from Mike was you know, the involvement with the youth. So you just touched on helping them structure everything. 
Um, is there anything in addition to that, you know, that you kind of have your hands or you and your staff have your hands in the youth program? Um, well, we, we, you know, for our youth program, you know, like, so I, we kind of have two boards. Uh, one's our community rec board. It's called HISA, Howard Swamical Youth Sports Association. That's made up of uh, baseball, softball, and flake football. So we have a board that meets once a month on that. In fact, we had a meeting last night, um, you know, and that's even in the off season, right? We just have one meeting once a month and we get together and, you know, I've, I'm the baseball commissioner and then there's a softball commissioner and there's a flake football commissioner. And we just, you know, work to make our programs better and, you know, and do the things needed for that. Um, so I sit on that board and then, uh, we also have a uh, pirate baseball board, which is more about our uh, tournament teams, you know, our 7U through Legion, um, which I also sit on. And so does Mike Simons and, and one of my assistant coaches, Trent Noe, um, you know, where we oversee that a little bit and the hiring of the coaches and the structure of the program and, you know, how many tournaments each team will get into and, you know, give them practice schedules and facilities and get them into leagues and register their them for tournaments um we we also have a a building uh, a turfed indoor building with batting cages and training uh facility that we lease and run uh, we call it pirate baseball training academy um and we uh we sell memberships so if someone can go in there in our program to work out anytime they want. Uh, and then uh, we also now lease, rent out a portion, um, or just time really, to a, to a club facility that we kind of have a partnership with in our area. It's called Velocity Training, and then they have some club teams. Um, but that building allows us over the winter time to get in there and train, and even our youth programs to get in there and train. So starting in December, two nights a week, all of our age groups get an opportunity to go in there and we offer training, um, you know, pitching and hitting and just baseball skills in general, you know, things you could never do without this building, at least without it. I mean, we, we used to do it in uh, our district gyms, uh, you know, that didn't have batting cages and just got in there just to do something with baseball. But ever since we've had this building and the things we're able to do, um, really help out in that youth program and the success we have. And, you know, it kind of gives them the club experience a little bit with that added training over the winter. Well, that's great. So now eventually they get up to the high school, right? You mentioned you got your JV2 team, your JV1, your varsity. Um, what I'm always intrigued on is like how different programs structure their tryouts. So you get to tryout week. What's the structure look like? I have to imagine your numbers are huge coming out that first day, just program wide. Or you're talking the high school level? Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, kind of, it kind of is and kind of isn't. Um, you know, through our tournament program, like I said, that we kind of oversee and, you know, at, in a tournament program, usually about the age of 12 12U uh, cut start being made. So when you start talking about like my, my son's a freshman in high school right now. Um, when, when he started at 8U, 
we had around 30 players in his age group, right? And those are just kids from our school. Over 9U and 10U, we got up to as much as 35 players, which was quite a bit. And I think a lot of that had to do with the success of the high school program and a lot of more people getting involved in baseball and wanting to be part of that. You know, so those numbers are really high at those younger ages. Then you get to 11U, and I kind of think that, you know, some, some of the kids a little bit, you know, you kind of break into two teams where you start to maybe start to have some A and B type opportunities when you have that many kids per age level and you're sending, you know, two teams out every weekend. To our 12, 12U, you know, where you have the <clears throat> split of uh, going from 46, 60 fields where, where there's not uh, leading off, stuff like that. But at that age, then there's a lot of tournaments where you go to the 50, 70, where there is leading off and, you know, those different aspects of baseball that you kind of make an A and a B team at those age levels. And, and really within our program, you know, around those years, 11, 12, U, um, even up to 13, U is where we start making cuts, just, just depending on the level they're at. Um, but a lot of them kind of, I don't want to say cut themselves, but kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit or just don't love it that much. You know, if, if you're playing baseball almost every summer, the every weekend in the summer, you know, it, it takes a toll on the kid and the family too, a little bit that you're not camping and going to the cabin and fishing and, you know, going to grandma's for the weekend. You got a lot of commitment in the summer that kind of find out it's, it's not maybe for them, the competitive level, maybe they still want to play at the rec level and play in our league. Um, and a lot do, and they kind of just don't come out uh, for tournament baseball uh, to where when my age group got to 13U was the first time I, I had to cut players um, from that, from my son's age group. So just to give you an idea, I, I had cut down to 18 players. Um, so that was starting out back at 8-9U when we were up to as many as 35 players, you know, down to 18. Um, and that's just, you know, is really came down to it this was the time you're not going to find b tournaments anymore at that age level and when you're getting that close to high school it just was time to you know really focus on one team you know i mean ideally uh 13 to 15 players max probably um which uh you know so it's really hard to cut players and they're decent but when you're playing at a higher level and you want to get off to some bigger tournaments and club type tournaments just with your community team um you know it starts to to narrow narrow down on its own a little bit through some tournament team cuts up till eighth grade usually to where you have just the one team um then when you get to freshman obviously usually like so last year at 14u for my son's age group just as an example and this is kind of the same with all our age groups we had 16 players all summer and I took 12 to a tournament every weekend. So it kind of worked out, you know, if you maybe schedule nine weekends and every player plays in six or seven of them type thing. Uh, so for the most part, most of those come out at the freshman level. And then there's the ones that kind of come out of the woodwork, ones that hadn't been involved in your tournament program, uh, maybe were involved in rec league programs at younger ages, but I mean, we get as many as, you know, 25 to close to 30 players come out as freshmen. And we don't really cut here. I mean, that's something we've always said, you know, unless it was really came down to numbers um, 
or ability was that far behind. And, you know, for that player that all of a sudden, you know, I just decided I got to high school. My parents really wanted me to try something and I want to do baseball. Well, they have no experience and, you know, I want to say no business playing at that level, but they don't fit in at all. But, you know, so, but there's not a ton of them. So usually when you, if you're talking around 25 players at the freshman level, you know, we just schedule enough games and kind of make an AB type schedule that, you know, our top, you know, 16, 18 freshmen will play the conference teams in the bigger games and get as many as we can for them. And then schedule, you know, maybe six, eight or so B level type games that those other reserves can play. And then, you know, like kind of moving on to JV the next year, um, naturally a few of those players fall off and see the writing on the wall. Um, but when we get to that JV level, that's where we got to kind of cut down to about 15, 15 players. I think we've maybe kept as many as 18 um, with some of them. No one that's staying on, they probably weren't going to play. They could maybe have a role getting a bat here or there, getting a field here or there, but you know, that's true junior varsity there is really getting those players ready that are going to play at the varsity level the next couple of years. Um, and that's, you know, kind of the harsh reality of it. And, and that's where we kind of cut down at that. The, the, the place we really make cuts is at JV. By the time they get to, to varsity baseball, usually there's no cuts that need to be needed uh, made because they were made at the JV level or some players saw the writing on the wall. You know, those few extra that stayed on, knowing they were going to mostly keep book and um, just, you know, be part of the team that they don't want to put all the time in, all the offseason training in uh, when they know they're not going to play at the varsity level. So that makes it kind of easy. You know, every year we end up cutting a couple at the varsity level, and that's mostly just, you know, comes down to a honest conversation with them and and expectations. And, you know, really whether they agree with it or not, that, you know, what the expectations in our program are going to be uh, are going to be pretty limited, um, which is never fun to do when, when you don't ever want to tell anyone they can't play baseball. But comes down to it at this level, it, I don't know, I guess you got to take it pretty serious and, and, you know, just kind of separate from a little bit of that and, and really focus on the players that, you know, ultimate goal is to win a state championship to really focus on the players that are going to help you do that. Well, that's great. And good segue into, you talked about like, you almost get ragged at time for how big your staff is, you know, but I'm sure you carry a big staff because they have tremendous contributions and you oh, yeah. run a great practice in your facilities and you feel like, you know, that's where you get ahead of a lot of programs is in practice. Cause you got a good ratio of player to coach. So kind of take us into one of your practices, take us into how you use those assistants and why do you <clears> think, you know, you guys continue to have such a strong varsity team? Yeah. Well, you know, our assistants, uh, you know, they kind of all have a role, an assignment um, and always have since I've been here. I mean, I think that goes with any, any good team, you know, it's not just a bunch of guys all wanting to do the same thing, um, all wanting to be the head coach or make all the decisions. It's just guys really having roles. Um, the, the staff we have is amazing. It has been since I've been here uh, to keep guys, especially assistant coaches and freshman coaches and JV coaches along as uh, around as long as we've had. Um, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me a little bit, and that's just them buying into a program and, and really wanting to be part of something. And understanding their roles, um, you know, we we got guys here that have been here for, you know, my twentieth year. You know, they've been here for I've had some that are right around fifteen years. 
um, some of our, our main assistants and, uh, you know, our, you know, our pitching coach, Jeff Lutke, uh, he's my age, but he graduated here from Bayport. He went on to play some college baseball. He played uh, Dairyland, you know, adult baseball, very competitively for, for quite a long time. I think last year or two years ago was the first year he didn't play. Um, he's a pitcher and he's our pitching coach and he's kind of our, you know, our whole program pitching coach and works with kids, you know, in our program when he can, you know, within the WIA and when we have, you know, pitching type things going on, but, you know, his role is working with pitchers, period. That's what he does. Um, whether it's during a game and calling pitches or, you know, throwing bullpens with pitchers, um, you know, just structuring, you know, mindsets and having conversations with them They're It's kind of their own little world. And, and Jeff, Jeff runs that. Um, Trent Noe, uh, it's kind of my main go-to guy. He, he's at the high school with me. So he, he does a lot, uh, with me and, and helps me stay sane and keep me organized. And, uh, he's a very detailed person. He's a lot like Mark Hebert. Like I talked about our old defensive coach, um, when he's coaching and doing something, it's just not from his experience or, or what he always already knows. He, he's researching and studying and, um, he coached with Mark, you know, with us, with Mark for a few years. And he really learned a lot from him when Mark retired, Trent became our defensive coach, um, and, and runs the defensive, um, portion of practice. And he's very structured and scheduled with that and does a great job organizing and leading that. And, you know, that's his role. Um, that had been my role in the past at times too, before Mark joined us. And, you know, I was the pitching coach along with that until Jeff joined us. Uh, my role used to be primarily hitting. So I was down into batting cages, doing tons of drills with players. You know, we'd have our outfielders at the batting cages and our infielders working with the defensive coach, that type of thing and do a flip flop. And I was structuring drills and leading things down at the batting cages. Um, you know, as I, as I became the head coach, you know, I, I wanted to be overseeing everything and, and whether it was just assisting them, what they needed me to do in a drill. Uh, but then we had a, a guy named Jesse Wilches, who's been with us for about 15 years. He had been our JV head coach at times. And then for the last, I don't know, eight years or so, he was our freshman head coach. Um, he also is our uh, Legion head coach and does a great job with our Legion program. Uh, so when I took over, he was, uh, one of the first ones I brought up to coach uh, on varsity and had him take over the, the hitting duties. So running the drills down at the batting cages and, you know, kind of being our hitting coach. So to see, and, you know, and I kind of just float around from all aspects of the game and, and help out where needed at practice, but, you know, really at our, at our practices, they all come in with their practice plan. you know, we talk about it beforehand. They run stuff by me. I run stuff by them. We settle on a practice plan. You know, we all print it off, bring it to practice, and we just get to work with it. So that's kind of how it's structured at, at our varsity level. Love it. It just sounds like a well-oiled machine. And I want to I come back to some coaching philosophy and things you're working on this offseason and, and skills. But I, I, I would be, I'd be mad at myself if I didn't ask you about this past season, this 2021 group. And... You know, like what? What do you think the key to success with that group was? Um, that whole twenty twenty one baseball season. Well, I think there's a lot of a lot of things that factor into that, but uh, I mean, one, one they were talented. 
Um, but, but you know, and I think all coaches know, you, you don't win on talent alone. Um, it, it, it's about coming together as a team and, and sharing the same common goal and really buying into the program and, and whatever our, our goal is. And, and I, I make it clear and made it clear last year that, uh, I mean, our number one goal, it wasn't, it wasn't about winning some games. It wasn't about a conference championship. It wasn't even about maybe making it to sectionals or state. I mean, flat out, uh, a state championship. Um, and that was our goal. And, and it can sound pretty, um, it's the right word. I don't know, cliche or harebrained when you're, when you're preaching that in December and January, when you're trying to get across how important it is to start off season training. And, and when you get together in March and you start your season and, and, uh, you know, we didn't go to Florida last year. So you're, we're out there trying to, you know, practice in gyms and over at our training facility and outside when it's 35 degrees. And, you know, actually we started later last year, so it wasn't as bad as a normal spring, but when you're preaching stuff like that, when, when, you know, for the most part, we didn't have baseball the year before that, you don't know for sure who your starting shortstop's going to be and who's going to be the right fielder and what your pitching rotation is going to be, you know, when we're running around preaching, listen, our goal is going to be a state championship period. This is, we all have to, you know, get on the ship or get off it. Um, what is your role going to be in that, you know, and just trying to get those players to to buy into that, to believe in that, and to play, trust each other and to play for each other. And that was kind of the thing. And that's what that group did. It truly was playing for each other, and they really bought into it. And they, I, I had never seen a group work so hard. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with not having baseball for a year and missing out on an entire season um, and how much it meant to them just to be able to be back and training and playing together and, and being on a bus together and in a dugout together and a locker room together. Um, you know, these, these were groups that that senior group uh, we had 15 seniors and it's crazy. Never before have we had that. Um, and they could all play. And the thing with that is they, they stuck together over the years and played so much baseball together. And in the summers um, and uh, you know, even, even the year there wasn't baseball, there wasn't a spring season, there wasn't a Legion season. And then it was kind of, at least in this area, kind of a unsanctioned Legion thing got up and running later in the summer um, where that group, just those group of seniors, uh, you know, would kind of got together uh, to play, I think played maybe eight, nine Legion games together. Um, just had some league games with uh, teams from the area. And, and uh, there was a tournament down in Sheboygan they got together and played in. And that, that was the first time I had got them to see them play together as a group. Um, you know, really since they were sophomores in high school. And even then that they were playing on our JV, I, I didn't get to watch them very much. Um, but they all trained together. They did that together. They, you know, when, when the fields were shut down, those were the ones that were sneaking on the fields and playing and getting together. And, you know, I mean, talent's a big part of it, but it doesn't go anywhere unless you, you don't care who gets the credit. And, and they truly did. Uh, they truly did play for each other and they believed in each other. And you could just tell the, just the, you know, the brotherhood they had with each other a lot with, you know, which is a lot with a lot of our teams, but, um, you know, more and more and every year players are separating at 
younger ages going to play for clubs. You know, they always come back to play for their high school, obviously, but, you know, to playing together through the summers and training together in the off seasons and whether it's Legion or 16U, you know, when you're all together all summer, that, that makes a big difference. When, when you're playing on separate club teams, which is great. That's great. They're playing a lot of good baseball too. Um, there's a little bit of difference there, but for the most part, this, this group stayed together as a core and played together. And, and going back to Mark Hebert, another thing, um, his son did not play baseball as a senior. Um, just kind of got away from it without having baseball as a junior. And, um, but uh, Mark Hebert had coached that group from the time they were like 12, 13 years old, all the way through JV Legion. And that was a part of it. They had an amazing coach and they, they were successful. Um, you know, they won JV Legion state and stuff like that, but that was that group. And, and it really came from just strong leadership from an amazing coach with uh, Mark Hebert over the years that I think really made a difference in that group staying together like they did. And I'm not saying you can't win a state championship or do it if they don't do that, but I think that played a big part in it and, and just them trusting each other. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like great coach speak, right? Playing together, the brotherhood. Like, I think every coach wants that, right? But how do you create that? Like, what I always think about is on the greatest teams, at some point, like the coach, the players take ownership over that, right? The, the players start driving the ship more than the coach. And obviously, 15 seniors, the group you had, do you remember a moment when the players like grabbed hold of this thing and said, all right, coach, we got this. We don't need you as much as, you know, like we got the discipline part of this. Yeah, there's probably a few, a few uh, examples throughout, throughout the season. Um, There was a lot of strong leaders there. And I I know I talk about the senior group a lot. There were some pretty special junior players as well um, too, but uh you know, coming down to that, it was, it was kind of from the get go. Uh, you know, we, we start off season training just with optional open gyms, right? We can't coach. We just open up the gym, drop the batting cages, set out a bucket of balls, right. And they get to hit in the cage. They get the long toss, they play catch, they hit each other grounders. And then we also have that indoor facility that I talked about the turf with the batting cages and a lot of, well, that group. And again, I don't know if, I, th- I think they were just driven for it. I mean, a lot of them went on to play college baseball. I mean, that was their goal and their dream and they loved baseball and they really bought into it, but I don't know if it played a part with not having a season the year before. Um, and it carried even on into the summer until, you know, some, like I said, some unsanctioned leagues got going a little bit where they were able to play, but nothing we could really through the school district organize. Um, it just, it, it was, it was flat out the training. Um, we run, you know, a couple nights open gyms. I've done this for the 20 years I've been here. And you can't take attendance. You can't force players to be there, right? And you get it. Sometimes some play basketball, some have jobs. Some, who knows? But, it, you know, some years get to be very disappointing with people not showing up and not coming. You know, I mean, you try to do them later at nights. And if you see someone say, hey, I noticed you haven't been coming to open gyms. They're like, yeah, oh, I really busy studying. And it's like, okay, school ended at three o'clock. What time did you go to bed last night? Oh, 11 or 12. So you're telling me for like eight hours when you left school, all you did was study. 
you couldn't take a break to come be with your teammates and throw the ball around or, you know, they always gave the, well, I'm training with uh, my private trainer over at so-and-so or I'm down in the Valley, you know, on these days. And it's like, that's awesome. But I said, you know, don't forget the aspect of the team too, you know, be, I, I know you're working, you're working out, but you know, it really makes a difference if you're there with your teammates and you're showing them you care and you guys are doing it together. You know, I, when they're at those things, a lot of the times it's just uh, watching them fist bump each other and joke around with each other and mess around a little bit that I'm like, Hey, they're all here. They all showing each other. They care about it. You know, I, I can't get, I can't get uh, mad because someone's not hitting off the tee the right way. Cause I can't go over there and fix it anyway, or work on someone's throwing mechanics. You're just happy you're there. Well, last year it was, they were there all the time. They were there every time. There wasn't anyone you had to be concerned with, wasn't showing up. Um, they were there. And, that, and that's the first thing I thought that they really took into their own hands was, you know, we preach it. We talk about training together in the off season, showing up, making it a priority. You know, we get the, uh, the uh, open gym schedule early enough that if you do have a job that you can work around your job a little bit ahead of time, you know, we try to get out, out in August or September, even though it doesn't start till mid-December. Um, you know, if you got a job, give the schedule to your bosses and try to work around it so you can come there. And, and again, it's, I know a lot of them are still training on their own, however they're doing it, but it really comes down to when they're doing it together. And I, that's probably the biggest thing I noticed. And they all come in together and, I mean, they spend 15 minutes just, you know, jacking around with each other. Um, and it's nothing nothing I was ever worried about because they ended up getting all their work in, but it was just that camaraderie and, and the brotherhood stuff you could just tell was there with the group um, was probably the biggest one. And that's before that we played our first game. I love that. Absolutely love that. And again, I think I would completely agree with that assessment, it, you know, down here, same thing, you know, Academy everywhere, there's practice multiple nights a week, but just having the guys together in an open gym setting um, just, yeah, those touch points are huge. Um, so speaking of off-season work, so, you know, obviously the kids are training off-season. Um, like, what are you working on this off-season? What are you and your staff? Is there anything in particular you're trying to get better at looking into 2022? Um, well, yeah, uh, you know, as, as far as coaching on the field type strategies, probably not at the top of our list right now as, as far as we're doing, but it's more about kind of how I talk about the players needing to be together. That's uh, something I'm working on right now is just, you know, better communication with, with my coaches from the freshman coaches all the way up to our varsity staff, trying to keep them all together as a group, you know, um, uh, just informed with everything that's going on, you know, something will come up like, uh, like our, our JV field is uh, going to be redone this fall yet. They haven't started on it, but we're going to be without it this spring. So we have our freshman field, and in between that and our turf field, we're going to have to have all three teams utilizing this spring, um, which may, you know, we're pretty lucky with the facilities we have, so it still may be in, we might be in better shape than some other programs that just don't have the facility facilities, so we're very fortunate with that, but, you know, it just, so this last weekend, I'm in quarantine, and we had our diamond work day where we have the team come out on a Saturday and we edge the fields and rake them up and add tap top dressing and put screens away and 
just clean up the fields before snow comes, right? We try to wait till football season's over um, and just do that while we still have time while I couldn't be there. And when I'm communicating with my coaches, because that's right when this came down, when I wasn't going to be able to be there, and said, you know, and I'm giving them the list because this was just stuff I had been, you know, doing, and I probably could have and shared the responsibility and some communication a little bit better, but, you know, and I put in there and, you know, remember, we don't have to touch diamond two. That's the JV diamond. That's getting, we don't remember, we don't have to do anything on that, which led the JV coach to say, well, wait a minute, this, am I assuming then they're going to rebuild that this spring then? Well, I didn't even communicate it to him. You know, I didn't be like, hey, Jags, uh, just so you know, it, it went through, they are going to redo that field. We're going to be without it this spring, you know, probably someone who needs to know that just like, you know, all coaches on our staff from freshmen of RC should know that, you know, and it just, so those are things that personally where I, I feel like I got to keep them in a the loop a little bit more. And it's, I mean, you know, this, it's a year round deal and they can't and don't want to be in every decision and every email and working with the athletic director or the district or, you know, set working with, other teams setting up games, even if they're JV games, you know, but I mean, there are stuff, I, I think that has to do with the way our, our staff is so close and, and get along so well and have worked so well together as, you know, I don't need to run around telling everyone I'm the head coach and we're going to do it my way. We've been successful that we all do it together. And, you know, I don't, I don't need the credit. I don't want the credit because they all have a piece in it. And, and so just things in the off season, I, I want to work on with them is having them be more involved, not that they're not, uh, or don't want to be, it's maybe I just got to give them the opportunities and communicate better and, and get them up there when I'm cleaning out closets or organizing stuff or ordering equipment or inventory and jerseys that, you know, those little things behind the scenes that keep, keep them more in the loop with and, and communicate with them more. Um, and I think just that as a staff, just, just the communication. And then once you get going during the season, you know, you don't see those guys. I, I don't get a chance to talk with the JV coaches or the freshman coaches. It's really hard to keep up on that and the players. And, and that's something we always talk about. And, and uh, coach Jagler, John Jagler, who's been with us, you know, he's one of those guys that's been up there around 15 years, been with us between uh, he's been the head JV coach for at least the last 10, 12 years, former varsity coach, um, does an amazing job with that with that group and in our program and you know he's really that turning part where they're getting ready for varsity baseball the next year and he's the one that kind of those hard decisions of cutting players really fall on him you know so he does a great job with that and, and he's one that reminds me a lot that sometimes I forget to include them in things with communication with that so you know just working on that and, and us as a staff being involved in it all together and, and all buying in you know the same our assistant coaches you know um he can't just show up in march and we'll say goodbye at early june and we'll see you next march uh you know you gotta you gotta keep everyone going year round and and, and have let them have some voice and and their hand in all of it um you know that's when you talk about advice to assistants is you know speak up and trust yourselves and trust the way you want to coach and don't feel if I'm the head coach, don't feel you have to run everything by me when you want to do something coach the kids, the way you want to do it. Cause I trust you trust yourselves. Don't, you know, those types of things. So uh, off season for us right now, um, you know, I'm so busy with this Florida planning and uh, things like that, but for the coaching staff is just 
staying together, staying in the loop, communicating. Um, Love that. All right. Well, hey, I kept you for almost an hour now. So let me um, ask you one more question. Like just overall advice. We've hit you. You've led us into your program on so many different levels from all the things that you've taken over the years, like from where you started to where you are now, like what advice would you give to coaches? Oh, uh, well, I mean, like I said, you got to love it and in, in amount of time and commitment you put into it. Uh, I mean, do it your way, F find, find ways to do it your way. Um, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of changes I made when I took over as head coach um, because I was so involved in it and, and kind of had the freedom to, to institute a little bit in that. But, you know, it was, it was always a thing with me the last couple of years, even though last year was the only season we had the year before that, you know, we were right up to the season. So it's been a lot of time and commitment into it and the way I was going to do things was, was just making that change and go ahead and doing it and not worrying about what it's not the way it used to be done. And, and, you know, it's, if, if you're going to put this much time into it, you kind of got to do it your way and, uh, and not be afraid to, to do it and, and not worry about what other people are going to think and um, do it your way and, you know, trust yourself and, and, and just get after it that way. And there it is. Huge thank you goes out to Coach Knudsen for taking time to sit down with us today. Um, so this will be our last episode of, of, 2000, of 2021. So looking ahead into 2022, um, pitchers and catchers report in 75 days. Uh, the National Clinic, the ABCA Clinic, is in Chicago uh, at the end of next week. And the WBCA is just right around the corner. And come see Coach Knudsen speak at the 3 o'clock session uh, on that Friday in, in Middleton. Uh, just back to the episode a bit. Just if you're also a fan of high school sports like I am, just do yourself a favor and Google Bayport High School and look at their facilities, both indoor and outdoor, but most recently what they've done in their weight room. It's a community that's truly invested resources into giving their student athletes the best experience possible. I mean, although Bayport had, you know, a dozen plus seniors played in the state championship in Division One. Uh, took home a silver ball. Bayport baseball is not going anywhere. Um, phenomenal community. You know, over 1,900 kids at that high school. Going to be talent and phenomenal coaching. I mean, hopefully what you've gathered from Coach Knudsen is how committed he is. You know, he's a 24-7, 365 kind of guy. Sees his baseball program as a year-round job. His players are committed. His staff is committed. And it's what it takes. And, and he knows that. And to be... You know, what they did in his first year just is a huge testament to who he is as a leader and how he runs this program. So uh, until then, um, have a great rest of your day. Um, have a safe new year, and we will see you in 2022. And I appreciate your time. Have a good rest of your day.